Hey, this is Keith from Data Beats Opinion. Thanks again for joining us. My guest today is Matt Giovannisi. He is from Money Lab and focuses really on the side of marketing that I think a lot of people don't pay attention to or just kind of don't look at as much. And really what that is, is kind of this no BS marketing. And I know that people throw around the no BS marketing a lot and they're like, oh, we're not BS market. We're not BS marketers. Download our PDF to see how we're not a BS marketer. Right. And it's, it's kind of self-defeating at that point. And Matt has talked a lot about how he is. Well, I guess, Matt, I'll let you go into it. How do you define yourself as a no BS marketer in honestly an area that's so filled with BS? You know, I don't know. What is BS, right? When you just, I think what you just mentioned is we're, we're honest, we're, we're straightforward. We cut to the chase. We're no, we're no BS. Download our PDF. Uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's, it, there's this weird sort of balance about honesty, right? There's mm -hmm. this honest marketing approach. And I think there's a lot of companies that do honest marketing and it works very, very well. Uh, and I, but some of, some of that can be fake. Right, you can right. fake this honesty, like, oh, we're just we're this humble company. I'm this humble blogger, uh, and what I do is, it's it's not that I'm not doing it on purpose. It's just I'm just that way as a person. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I kind of uh, <laughs> I kind of wear my thoughts and opinions and emotions on my sleeve. If you knew, if you hung out with me and you came over, and you're like, hey, how are you doing? I literally answer. I'm like, you know what? Uh, my back hurts. Yeah, uh, you know I have a <laughs> I got hang this now. thing on my foot. You gotta yeah. see this thing. <laughs> you gotta see. It's really. I'm really in a lot of pain right now. But hey, uh, let's crack a beer. I don't give a shit. So right. it's just like, I, 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 people are like, well, that was too much information. <laughs> I didn't need all that. Uh, and so when I did money, like, you know, when I do, I have other brands. I have this brand called SwimUniversity.com. I have a brand called BrewCabin.com. I mm -hmm. used to have a brand called RoastyCoffee.com. I run a podcast called Listen Money Matters at listenmoneymatters.com, which is a personal finance show. And all of these things combined sort of birthed Money Lab. And Money Lab is a it's kind of like my home base where I can, you know, I have these hypotheses about online business and I have these, you know, thoughts that I want to put to the test. And I do it in a very extreme way. Mm -hmm. So it's like uh, my most recent experiment as an example of what I do at Money Lab. I have two of them. One is uh, I have this idea. So somebody sent me this this post that was like, if you on Apple Podcasts, like the whole podcasting network uh, in, in Apple, there are a handful of categories. Like they, you know, they just came out with these new categories, and there's a handful of them that have very low competition. Mm -hmm. And if you want to start a podcast, like maybe get into these low competition categories. Right. And one of them was swimming and the other one was chemistry. They were the two lowest. Okay. And so my buddy was like, hey, maybe you should start a swimming diversity podcast since I run a pool site, <laughs> you know, kind of related yeah. to swimming, but not the sport of swimming. But I was like, hmm. And I was like, that's, a, that's not a bad idea. And I read all these articles about this whole low, cat low competition category thing in Apple. And I'm like, you know what? All right. I have the the ripe sort of uh, brand, mm -hmm. and I know how to podcast. Like it's something that I'm. I, it's definitely within my wheelhouse. Right. And so I'm like, I'm going to create a podcast, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to document the whole thing. And I have like this three stage test to see if 
this is a viable marketing channel for my brand. Mm -hmm. And I give all the stats and I give all the money and I give every little friggin' thought and step that I did to create this podcast. And like I film videos on how I edit the show, how I publish mm-hmm. it, just kind of like almost oversharing. Right. And I don't say to people on the, I don't, on Money Lab, I don't go, I'm doing this and this is the way it should be done. Like, this is how you make more money on the internet. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not an advice giver. I don't like giving advice because what the hell do I know? Right. You know, I'm just out there doing this stuff in public and sometimes it works out and it's great. And sometimes it fails miserably and that sucks. And that's yeah. the thing that I'm willing to say that most people aren't, which is as a, an online entrepreneur who fails a lot, I don't say, oh, failing is good because what I learned from this was X. Right. And now I'm, gonna, now I'm a better person. No. At the time of failing, it, it friggin' sucks. sucks. <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't pull it. Like, it's like... Yeah, maybe I learned something, but that's not what, what's going other, on in my other head. Other than don't do that again, right? Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, learned your lesson. You touch the stove, it's hot. Right. Never, ne- don't, you know, right. avoid the stove. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, so that was, that's something I'm working on now. I'm also working on a Pinterest experiment where I, or a challenge really, where I want to test this new, um, this new marketing channel. Will it get me more traffic? Will it make me more money? Right. And so I'm, I bulk, I'm bulk creating a hundred pins all by myself and, and then scheduling them out and then documenting that process plus the results of that experiment or challenge. And this is something, I mean, this is really the whole reason I started the podcast as well. The whole data beats opinion idea, because you're exactly right. There are a lot of people out there that are like, I feel that they have an idea mm-hmm. and they say, this is how the world works. And then they, they promote it as fact. Yes. Right. (laughs) And especially in marketing, right? It's Uh like, well, this is obvious. This is how people work. But if you actually do the test and you do what they say, it doesn't work out the same, right? Maybe they did do it. Maybe they didn't. But having the the transparency and that clarity of, hey, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but here's the things I'm doing and walking through that structure and that that flow with you, I think is a thousand times more valuable because it's not just the end result. Like, I don't yeah. know if you remember eight, I think it was eight or 10 years ago uh, when split testing was really becoming a thing. There was this mm. PDF you could buy and it was the top 50 split tests you should do right now. And one of them was make the background of your sales page eggshell blue and make the, and it's like, it will increase conversion by 10%. I'm like, I don't think it will. Yeah, no. And like, and maybe it did for the one person. Right, for that person. Cool. Yeah. Right? And, and that's, that's exactly, you know, like what you, you talk about that and specifically this podcasting experiment that I'm doing. I have a website that teaches people how to take care of their pools and hot tubs. And the lowest category, the lowest competition category happens to be swimming. So like that's, this experiment right. really only works for this very specific thing that I have. Right. But now what you should do is start tweeting on Twitter. Everyone needs to jump into the swimming this is, category. Oh, yeah. Swim, you have to have a swimming podcast. <laughs> right. I converted 400% by getting a swimming. Yeah. Podcast. Or just saying that, or just saying a more general fact, which is podcasting is how you make money. Like this is right. how it's done because I have a really, I mean, like listen, money matters is a very quote unquote, successful podcast. We're talking 80,000 downloads an episode. This is a big one. This is a big show. 
it is still hard to make money on that show. It's like, it's very, it's a very difficult show to grow. And it's even on its own ecosphere. And it's very difficult to make money on. So podcasting is just like, (laughs) from my, and even from the experiment that I'm doing, it's just a really sort of challenging Mm -hmm. uh, medium to get into. But for me as a podcaster and somebody who's, I studied broadcasting in, in high school. And so, and I've always had, you know, like a, uh, I guess a passion for it. This is, I mean, I could, I could podcast literally all day and not feel <laughs> fatigued. It's, it's something I, that's amazing. I, yeah. I wish I could do more with this, but, right. but yeah. And it has become a harder, a harder channel to do because it, it has gotten so much easier to do podcasting. The yep. equipment has gotten much more affordable. The mm-hmm. editing has gotten much easier. It's yeah. And yeah, it's getting more, yeah, it's getting more saturated by the day. But yeah. and and then you know there's there's not a lot of discovery engines. I mean, Apple Podcasts is not a discovery engine the same way like YouTube would be or, or right. Google even. Um, but there's people that are trying. I mean, Spotify is certainly trying to be a discovery engine for mm-hmm. podcasts, and uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and going back to the whole idea of sharing the process, mm-hmm. I really see the marketers that I know and respect and that I see very well respected in the industry are the ones who share everything. So I'm thinking of people like Pat Flynn, of yeah. um, John Lee Dumas, of Ramit Sadie, of, of Patrick McKenzie, people mm-hmm. who honestly said, hey, here's all my stuff. I'm sharing the process with you. It's all free. Yeah. And then the what they monetize is let's do this for your company, either through consultancy like Patrick was doing or through products that really dive into the one, two, threes for a specific niche within that overall advice. But all of them, it, it's interesting because I work with a lot of marketers and there's a lot that are flash in the pan of, hey, we're just going to make a lot of money. and. But then there's also these that are like, it doesn't matter to make the money in the short run because we're building that base. We're stacking those bricks of when people think of this problem, they come to me because they know I have everything and I'm not BSing them because you see every bit of the process. Yeah. There's never a point where you're like, oh, I don't know if if John Lee Dumas is telling me the right stuff about podcasts because he tells you every single thing. Yeah. There, There is no behind the kimono. There is no hidden part of that. True. And, uh, you know, that, and it, it actually really is a difficult space to be in. I, I personally find it difficult. I guess I shouldn't generalize since we talked about that earlier, but I, you know, somebody who's kind of, you know, money lab is going to be four years old. Uh, I think, I think it's, I think it is four years old this, this month. Oh, congrats. Um, thank you. So I, I, and, and you'd be surprised to learn, I guess, uh, you know, the site gets, I mean, I only have about 1,400 subscribers. Uh, most of those people came in when I had a viral moment my first year. Uh, I, had a, I had a page that was called Give Me Your Email Address. And mm-hmm. if you go to moneylab.co slash email, you can still see it. It's still up. And basically what it was, it was like a, um, a, a satirical blog post on the pop-up culture of like grabbing people's email right. addresses and stuff. And, and I got about 1600 email addresses in a day. From that. <laughs> and oh, the irony. Been, yeah. And it's right. Exactly. But it's been kind of that same, you know, 14 to 1600 people that have been just kind of rotating, you know, either on and off the list or 
you know, they've been with me this, the last four years, or they, you know, I, cause I constantly trim and clean the list. And I haven't really grown as far as like the, the traffic to the site, because none of my articles are really SEO driven, even though that's mm-hmm. kind of my wheelhouse, like SEO is what I do, but I don't do it at money lap because I'm not a how to company. I'm not a, I'm not a right. brand that's like, Hey, I'm going to show you how to podcast. I'm going to show you how to do this. Uh, my products certainly are because I do have courses where you know, the, the course that I just launched was about page speed. And mm-hmm. I talk about page speed constantly throughout my products and throughout my just being on Twitter and whatever and videos. But I've never done a really technical, you know, how to guide, but I'm not going to publish a how to guide because again, like this is that's the that is the behind the scenes of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do talk about it publicly and I will share those like, you know, experiments. Like I, I think I did a public experiment about page speed and then it's like, oh, everyone was like, you need to make a course on this. And I basically just bend to their will. If they, if, <laughs> if my audience says like, please make something about this, I will. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, and it's like, you know, you do it enough times, you show people that you're capable of doing it. And then you can build the product behind it. But uh, I find it difficult to grow a money lab because of what you just said is like, I pretty much just kind of just show everybody everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't, there's no, again, no SEO. There's really no discovery engine besides like most of my audience comes from doing things like this, being on other people's shows right. or social media or, or even better, or I guess even worse for me, Slack channels. Mm-hmm. because people go look at what this guy is doing i don't see that no one praises right. they just they kind of share it privately it's all really word of mouth organic and what's great about that is i have a really awesome audience like it's just it's so 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 good mm-hmm. right but it's so small and it doesn't grow but you know i guess everybody that i think isn't that and that was who I was going for. I wasn't trying to go for pe- entrepreneurs and newbies in the right. industry. I was going for people who have been doing this and go, hey, I like this guy. Right. And I think that that's, I was having this discussion, I think, a, a day or so ago. But I was talking about the fact that probably eight, 10 years ago, you want a huge list. Like everyone yeah. was just like, get the list. It uh-huh. doesn't matter where they're from because there's low competition. Yeah. And you're going to get them to convert eventually. And same with traffic. Traffic yeah, was the same, same with traffic. Way. Mm-hmm. And it's really changed. And I see people with smaller, curated, mm-hmm. fanatical lists outperforming people who have million-person uh, lists. Definitely yeah. on the lead value, but even sometimes on the revenue value. Because mm-hmm. there are people that when you say, hey, I have this new course, that it's an instant buy. There's no thought process that goes into it. Right. It's like... Matt just put out something that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm going to purchase it, right? There, and, that, there and that's exactly what happens. Yeah, it's like yeah. I've, it's real. It's like that thousand true fans thing. Yeah, you know, it's really what I'm building. And yeah, I, but everyone says you should do SEO for Money Lab, and I and I honestly I won't because one I like I tried one day I sat down and I was like okay I did this whole pod uh, what was it podcasting. It was some process. Oh, it was the so I've done on Money Lab. There's probably like three or four. Uh, I'll call them um, challenges where I built a digital product, a course within seven, three to seven days, something like that. There's different ones, um, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. I have this idea. I'm gonna create a method, 
because it's mm-hmm. money lab and when it's to be scientific. Okay, it's this branding thing. So I'm gonna create a method where I basically take all four of these articles that I've done, this process that I've repeated four times and distill it down into a recipe of, of some sort. Mm-hmm. It was pulling teeth for me, like just to create that. And I go, ooh, this, this doesn't feel right. This feels weird um, to put this out on Money Lab. I'm sure people would love it. Right. And I still have it. It's still like, I'm just in a document and I have some ideas for it. But to put that on Money Lab as a how-to to kind of get search engine traffic just feels wrong. Yeah, yeah. Little, yeah, just for what, and I, and I want to control the Money Lab brand. I love the fact that somebody, even somebody like yourself who comes on and says like, I think what you're doing is refreshing. Mm-hmm. In this space, you don't hear that very often. No, so I don't. think like, and hearing that is like, <sighs> cool, man. I'm like, it, it is a, it is a brand, and I and I say this as I want to call myself a creative, quote unquote. I want to call myself an artist, quote unquote. I don't. I think I am a. I'm a person who creates. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily would think call myself an artist. However, Money Lab is sort of that blend between business and art, right. where I can really be myself. Like one of my challenges was to create a rap album in 30 days, and. <laughs> One of the most, I, I still say that it's like the proudest I am of any experiment. And even though it failed, it's a failed mm-hmm. experiment or it was a failed challenge because I think I made, I think I lost like 20 bucks on the whole thing. Um, but I still <laughs> reference that as my favorite <laughs> thing I ever did because right. it's like, it was, yeah, it was just like super fun. It was very much me. Mm-hmm. And, but, but those things, my friend called it a list burner. He's like, no one is going to follow you while you make a rap album. Like all these online business people don't give a shit that you're making a a rap album in 30 days, you know, like, and uh, I go, well, that's, yeah. I mean, people followed me through it and then Mm -hmm. moved on to a Pinterest challenge or a podcasting one or who knows, like whatever the next one will be. Right. And there's something about that authenticity um, that I think even if they're not going to follow you through that particular process it creates a more authentic connection to you it's like oh matt's Mm -hmm. doing this weird rap thing i'm not really interested in it but he's doing a weird rap thing like yeah (laughs) yeah you know that word i that word authenticity right i feel like it's a like authenticity and honesty are different Mm -hmm. would you agree right so people can be quote-unquote honest in their marketing right where they go yeah, uh, I think like Spirit Airlines is pretty good with this, and like there's a bunch of bigger companies that kind of explore this. Like, hey, we get we're self aware, we know who we are, and we say this right. blah blah blah. But that in and of itself isn't authentic. That is actually that's being that's that's a crafted message. It's a crafted message, right? I think when like the Wendy's Twitter account is everyone loves it's the Wendy's one, Twitter yeah. account. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, it's not that's, authentic. No, it's right? it's honest. It's honest. It's snarky. Yes. But it's not authentic. Right? It's not authentic. And so one of the things that I think one of the things that happened to me, and I and it's just like a trajectory that I can't I I don't I don't know if it could be replicated, but I don't have a college education. Mm-hmm. And when I was in high school, I you know graduated D's and C's, skin of my teeth kind of person. Uh I mostly failed English classes. And and the, the 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 classes I failed the most were English and graphic design, which ironically, or <laughs> which yeah, is exactly what you do. Now. <laughs> it was exactly what I do now. 
and so, but I think what that did weirdly as a byproduct is I really never learned how to write formally. Mm-hmm. And I never, I mean, we were, I was obviously taught it, you but I taught, couldn't write. I was yeah. taught, but I just ignored it. Uh, grammar, ugh, semicolons. No, thank you. Especially uh, high school. Yeah. Grammar, yeah. And then moving into college, I, I went for two weeks in a community college and an English teacher and I got into a, a an argument and I, I dropped out. I was like, screw this. Like, I, this is stupid. I'm being incre- like I was doing creative writing in an English composition class and was getting graded on how, you know, how much my humor wasn't funny to her. So mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, well, hold on a second. So would it like. I know at this point that my writing, at least I'm writing something that of, of, of that's interesting, right? right? I just didn't know grammar. And so when I write, I get a lot of praise for my writing, even though I'm incredibly self-conscious about it because I've failed so much at it. And I've been told by many people that I'm a terrible writer. I don't think they meant that as a, um, you're not good at conveying your thoughts and feelings. Right. It's you're bad at using semicolons and, you, just, <laughs> you know, and so you're, I learned tech, you don't have the technical skill, yes. but you are communicating in a way that conveys emotion, conveys the desire, the, and what you want to accomplish with it. Yeah. And I only know how to be myself. And so I've always, I've always wrote, writ, like writ, written stream of consciously. Mm-hmm. And now that I've, you know, as I got older, I'm like, you know what, I should probably learn grammar. And I, and I just like, you know, picked up how to use periods more often. Like, hey, if you don't know how to use a semicolon and you barely know how to use a comma, maybe just short sentences, you know, right. maybe, maybe do the, uh, you know, the, the old man of the sea. Which approach. is ironically perfect for marketing. So it's like- <laughs> yeah, really. And then so I was like, oh, I could, I could use only like my challenge myself to only use periods. And then as I started doing that, it, my writing became like what I was, what I could do in stream of consciousness where my sentences were run-ons and, and just awful. I was able to now take an, a sentence that was, you know, multiple lines and, and condense it down into a single line or less. Right. And all of a sudden it was just much more punchier and I was still being funny. I was still being myself. And so I think the authenticity that maybe comes through at Money Lab is a lot, has a lot to do with, the lack of formal education in writing that I've had that sort of morphed into, oh, he only knows how to write as he talks because right. that's the only way. And I do have, a, and I know that like I'm a talker and I'm an extrovert, so that's helpful too. And then it's just like now that I have this like grammar uh, education, this slight grammar education that I just taught myself, it's like now I go back and I clean it up and it's just, oh, now it reads like he's not an idiot. So yeah. it's, it's like he's authentic and also not an idiot. It's interesting because when I went to college, the first thing that my uh, English teacher said is that the first six months, we are going to be unlearning every single thing you learned in high school because that's, it was all BS. That's awesome. And because I, I remember in, I was in uh, English class in high school, senior year, mm-hmm. and we had to write, I forget what we had to write, but I put a quote from Star Wars in. I said, Luke, I am your father. And there was a, <laughs> there was a rule that you could not use first person in your essay, even in a quote. And she had crossed it out and said, Luke, I am one's father. And I got an F on it because I had used the word I in a quote. That, and that was in high school? That's senior year of high school. That just kind of sums up. 
like, how bad it is. <laughs> yeah. True. And it all depends on the teacher, but sure. Yeah. yeah. But man, but I get it. I get it. It's like, I understand it doesn't teach you how to write. It teaches yeah. you how to be pedantic with the technical parts of writing, which are very important. Yeah. But not, it's missing the forest for the trees. Yeah. Right? I've heard Tim Ferriss talk about how he was, when he was writing his book, he was writing to sound smart, you know? Mm -hmm. And then he, then he, when he, when he ended up like writing to a friend, which was more casual, it ended up, his writing got a lot better and he found his voice, quote unquote. Right. I don't think I've ever had that moment of finding my voice. I think I've always just had it. And, it, and I actually worked in reverse where I learned grammar to sort of kind of like contain my voice, right. you know, and to and make my voice, uh, a lot easier to digest as you're reading it instead of reading like again like sentences with multiple commas and you know it's like oh he's very succinct and it's just Hemingway crossed with it's Hemingway comics, yeah right <laughs> right yeah <laughs> no, no punctuation with, short sentence <laughs> yeah it's like Hemingway with terrible pro like with like more <laughs> childish prose I guess uh but yeah I think um that authenticity is really difficult. I don't really see it a lot. I, I've I've lo I look for it because I'm mm -hmm. I have a I have a BS meter for sure. Uh, you know everything that we're going through right now to be topical. I'm just I'm I can't be on Twitter. I'm just like it's horrible. You know it's and like you don't you're not a doctor and I'm not a doctor. But right. if you ask, but if you know if Google has a core update. And that's the crisis that everyone's going through. <laughs> Maybe I have something to say on that and I'll, can, and I'll be public. But this is not one of those things. Can you imagine if uh, Google did a core update right now and just how <laughs> everyone would just, just, just melt? Yeah. Thankfully, they did it in January and not now. Yeah. It's a, I mean, that's a tangent for sure. And it's something I've been thinking a lot about. But I don't want to. But it, again, it, it is a tangent. But I think it goes back to the authenticity because there's a very clear or not not clear, it's a very unclear divide of what you see as well as how you are perceived, right? Yeah. And I think there are companies who are like, let's take advantage of this. There are definitely companies that are like, we want to do something to help, but we're not sure how. Right. Um, and then there's companies like, let's try something, but then you have to weigh, Yeah. okay, are we seeing, like, for example, Disney released, I think, like, three movies, including Frozen 2, three months early. Like, it's right. still in theaters, and they yeah. were like, there's Fine. kids at home. Let, let let's release it. Yeah, and it's like, where does that fall? Where does it, right? Yeah. Like, so I know that everyone wants to be helpful, right? That's the thing. No, I don't think anyone's doing this out of with malicious intent, except for that one guy in Tennessee who hoarded all the uh, the my home the state. Thanks very much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, except for that guy, but yeah, I don't think anybody's being malicious. Like all these companies I mentioned, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't. It's just it's a it's an ethical dilemma that I've been kind of sitting down with, like you know, hey, if this was two thousand one or if this was two thousand eight, or you know, one of the things that I did uh, about all of this was uh, a week ago, or actually two weeks ago, Andrew and I did an episode on Listen Money Matters about stock market fears because this mm -hmm. is when the stock market was dropping and we were just kind of we did a whole you know, how, to, how, how are we, we did it this way where we said, you know, let's not go out there and give advice because again, like we're, you know, you shouldn't give advice on what people should do in the stock market. Everyone, you know, right. I, you know, obviously like you have companies like Betterman or Acorns or whatever, who are all putting out these statements like, Hey, just keep cool, man. Cause this is all going to pass. And uh, just don't pull your money out of our company. Right. Really. Right. 
uh, you know, so they're, they're, they have an agenda. And our agenda was, well, what are we doing? Like, I think people just want to hear what other people are doing without being told what they should do. Like, right. if somebody said, hey, Matt, if anybody went on Twitter right now and said, hey, Matt, what are you doing during all this? I, I, would, I would tell them exactly what I was doing because that's honest and, and it's authentic. But mm-hmm. I th- that would be the end of it. I wouldn't say, and you should too. You need to jump all your stocks except yeah. for this one. Put yeah. all I, your money. <laughs> like Tesla just got cut in half. Throw all your money in that because it's going to go back up. It's like, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but here's what I'm doing, you know, and, and I, I practice this exact same thing on Money Lab, where I basically do all of the beginning parts, like here's what I'm doing, and then I stop short of saying, and you should too, right? because, and this, I have the same rule with, with emails. If somebody emails me and says, hey, I have this idea for this business or this, or this marketing strategy, what do you think? And my yeah. answer, my canned answer is this. And, I, and I, I literally write this out every time. I don't like actually have a canned answer. But my, my answer is, I don't know, because I don't. Mm-hmm. Try it, and then let me know how it works out. Because that's exactly what I'm going to do. Right? Because right? how am I supposed to know what, if your idea is going to work or not? I don't even know if my ideas are going to work or not. Right. So, and and I would, be, I would be an idiot and an asshole if I went on and said, you know, oh, that's a great idea. If, you know, you should absolutely do it. And, and then, then they me. fail. <laughs> yeah. And then they fail miserably. Or, or, you know, like, or I say, that's going to work. And I give them this false hope because of my, you know, because I've been doing this for 15 years. So, like, I'm some sort of like internet mentor to them that I don't even realize I am. And it's all, all of a sudden they're like, hey, this didn't work out. Like, screw you. And I'm like, uh, but I'm the guru. I know everything. It's like, no, I don't know anything, you know, and neither does anyone else. And that's kind of my approach at Money Lab, which people find, again, refreshing. And I think it's, that's the way that I educate myself. So when I go and look for uh, courses or or something to, to educate myself in some way, I love behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. No, just, I don't need you to talk. I just need you to show me how you're doing it. Now, mm-hmm. I, and, and I'm smart enough, or at least I hope I'm smart enough to realize that like by copying them, it's not going to be the same because right. they have, you know, if you're Pat Flynn, when Pat Flynn tells you to do something, remember that it's coming from a guy who teaches how to do this stuff. So when he does it, he's talking to a dip, he's talking to you, he's talking to a different audience. He's got a real right. B2B audience. And it's huge, and it's a make money online thing. It's like it's kind of a circle jerk where, mm-hmm. you know, if when I tell you to do something and I'm doing it at Swim University and you have a coffee website, well, those two things don't necessarily fit together and they don't work. Right. So it's the same thing. That's why I kind of avoid that whole, uh, you know, hey, this worked for me. So it absolutely has to work for you. Right. And, and even my courses are behind the scenes, they're not really educational. They're really just like, Here's how I make my website faster. Here's mm-hmm. how I do SEO. And it's descriptive rather than prescriptive because you are yeah. explaining the process, which means that if you see a part that doesn't work for you, you mm-hmm. can change it. You cannot, and you understand the reasoning behind it. You're not being told, do this because it's the right thing. You're like, we're doing this because these factors. Right. And then you can extrapolate, okay, I don't have those factors. I probably don't need to do that. Where if you're following a course that is do A, B, C, D, 
yeah. without the explanation of why. Yeah. Like it might talk about the theory, but not the specifics, mm-hmm. then it becomes much less valuable. And I think like to give Pat Flynn credit, um, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to shit on anybody. I, I hope I'm not. Uh, but <laughs> cause I do, I admire all these people, like all yeah. these people we've mentioned. It's, it's, they're, you know, they're all cohorts of mine. And, and I have, I, I, again, I'm constantly scrutinizing our own industry, but back in the day when I started swim university, uh, I had nothing, you know, I was just, you know, just a kid in his bedroom trying to figure out how to turn this site into a thing. And I was following Pat Flynn specifically. And a lot of what he was educating at the time uh, was, you know, hey, uh, go on to forums, find your people and, and, and promote to them or, or ask them questions and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that was a big one. Like, you know, like find, like go to where your audience already is was yep. the big like message. And I'm sitting here at Sim University going like, where do pool owners hang out on the internet already? Right. There are no forums. There are no other blogs that are doing what I'm doing. So I kind of was like, well, that this is really unfair because he's crushing it. And I have not, I'm, I have to start everything from scratch. Right. And it was just that moment or series, <laughs> just that moment, series and series of moments where I realized that Swim University was just so different than every other site out there mm-hmm. and but then every other site i've created since then i've realized the same thing is that money lab is even though it's like make money online kind of site it's very similar to what pat flynn does it's completely different than what pat flynn right. does so every single site is unique and i've learned that and realized that like i can't take pure recipe you know formulaic advice from somebody right i basically just have to sit there and go man just show me how you're show me how you do your pinterest like i don't right. like don't don't yell at me and tell me how to do it i'm just i just want to see you do it and then i'll go oh i like that piece. i like that part and yeah I like this part. and i put my own strategy together from that and you know uh frank kern's uh product launch formula uh no PLF? i don't okay so uh, i know about uh what's his face who's the other guy that does that Walker. Oh, everyone does it now. Texas Wait, who did Walker? I say? Who did I say? You said Kern. Sorry, I meant Walker. I meant, What's his I name? Meant Paul Je- Walker? Jeff Walker. Jeff Walker. Jeff Walker. I, uh, I'm going to blame it on COVID. Okay. Okay. <laughs> My brain is half somewhere else. Yes. Um, but we looking at the PLF formula, which I think is honestly, when he launched it, it was just a completely revolutionary new way of doing launches. And the mm. whole idea was you are almost like priming the pump and talking about the product. You're giving away videos. uh, And he specifically said like three weeks of videos Mm -hmm. um, in order to get people ready for this product that you're then going to launch, right? You're priming the pump for this. And it was brilliant. And I think the core of that is still a brilliant strategy. And it's what I recommend to everyone I talk to. Mm -hmm. The problem was that everyone saw this and they're like three videos. That's it. Yeah. They're like, one video, two video, three video sales page. Yes. And you can tell a PLF launch coming from like eight miles away now. Yeah. Because as soon as that first video comes up and it has two more coming soon, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be sold um, on something. Right. And that's I mean, only if you're launching something. Right. You know, like we, at Swim University, it's, we just have a product for sale. And I've, you know, again, this is another example of like, I did all this. You know, I followed these formulas because I'm like, which one's going to work? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The one that worked for me 
was basically somebody signs up to your email list and immediately just give them a discount code yep. and they'll immediately buy it. They're just impulse. It's an impulse product. Yep. And it was just knowing like, oh, my audience. One of the weirdest things that I found out. So I was reading uh, way back in the day, Nathan Barry's book before he had ConvertKit called Authority. Right. And it was about book, yeah. writing ebooks. Right. So I was like, cool. He got, he got me to write uh, my second ebook from it. And at, in the book, he was like, you know, you can charge $50, $60, $100 for an ebook. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. I never, never thought of that. Like, you know, you, you price it according to value. Mm-hmm. So I go ahead and price my PDF, my ebook mm-hmm. at $50 and put it on Zoom University. And I have traffic, you know, I have people come in, I advertise it the way, you know, the same way I do now. Mm-hmm. No one bought it. Like it was like, so the sales were so low. And I go, well, what the hell's going on? And I just kept lowering the price until I hit the price of an actual book. Mm-hmm. And all and of a sudden it took off because yeah. my audience happens to be 40, 50, 60 year olds who right. understand what a book costs. They go to right. Barnes and Nobles, they remember bookstores. But as soon as you try to sell them a 60 to $70 book, they're like, yeah. no, what is this? Like, I'm right. not in college anymore. So, yeah, it just, it just, then, it was just a disconnect. And that audience, as well as that positioning of it, is so mm-hmm. important. Um, so, 37 Signals, who did Basecamp, yeah. they have a book called, oh, and I'm just blanking on all of these right now, Getting Started, I think. Getting Started is excellent. It is a wonderful book. It's yes. a actual book. You buy it in on Amazon. It's, mm-hmm. I think, 17 or 25 bucks. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice book. They had released it on their website as a free PDF. And you would not believe the vitriol that went their way. They're like, why do I have to give my email address Uh, for a PDF? And I'm like, because they called it a PDF, they were tart because their audience is mainly techies, right? Yep. Yep. Who, when you position as a course or like Nathan Berry's also very uh, targeted towards freelancers and techies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. able to sell a $60 book. But as soon as they called it a PDF, everyone's like, why do I have to give my email address for right. a PDF? Even though you're getting a $25 book for free. Yeah. Right? And I have a problem with like calling it a book because everyone mm-hmm. in my audience is like, I still haven't gotten it. I'm like, it's a, it's a PDF. You download it's a digital it. book. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're like, "Well, it's not in the mail yet." I'm like, "Well, did you? You never entered your ad- address. So how am I supposed to send it to you?" Yeah, you know. But it's no matter how many words I've tried to use, it's rough. It's, yeah, it's still and rough. There's, but yeah, there's just there's certain audiences. Like we um, yeah. we worked with some clients who were in the frugality um, space. Yeah. Yep. Oh my god, yeah. it's hard to sell to that. Oh it's like yeah. We were selling a twenty five dollar book that had a if you did not make four hundred dollars from it. In six months, you get the the money back. price money back. Yeah, everyone number one complaint: too expensive. Yep, like, yeah, it's, it's, literally it's, free money. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a friend who runs a site for college students. It's like try selling to them. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. It, it, the college student one reminds me of you know back in the day, I used to do the where I don't know if people remember where is, uh, but essentially pirated versions like Adobe and stuff, and it took forever. Right, and this is yeah, what, or late nineties, mm-hmm. but it took forever because you uh, you had to find the crack, you had to do all this stuff. Maybe there's viruses. You, you had to right. find the right place. You had right. to get the serial number, do all this stuff, and then it would update, and then you have to find the new one, everything. And but yeah, I was I a poor college kid. I didn't yeah. have fifteen hundred dollars to spend on Photoshop. Yeah, remember when it was it. that expensive? Yeah, I know. And yeah. then I needed it for work. But then at some point, once and this is their strategy, really. Once I graduated. 
I now know Photoshop. And at my work, I have to have Photoshop. And I now have, I don't have 30 hours to pull into getting a cracked version of Photoshop. Yep. I'd rather just buy the $1,500 version or now the $60 a month or whatever it is to get their subscription. I did the same thing. I learned, I had all the cracked versions of Photoshop all growing up, Illustrator, all of those things. And now I pay for it. Yep. And there are theories that that was an actual strategy. If that's it was, amazing. that's kudos brilliant. On yes, it, <laughs> so brilliant. Smart. Um, yeah. Not sure if it was or not, but yeah, because now I doubt it. I I don't know, but I don't use anything but Photoshop, and they killed it. They've absolutely decimated. There's so little else that works like Photoshop does, mm-hmm. and or Illustrator, or mm-hmm. geez, even Premiere and After Effects. Premiere just killed Avid. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, that's what I, yeah, I use Premiere. I use X, XD is my favorite software ever right now. I just right start now. getting into that. I oh, like it a lot. Yeah, it's just, I can just do things so much faster. It's kind of like a, yeah, I just, it's like easy illustrator. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go into a little bit about, so we're, we're starting to talk about video. We're starting mm-hmm. to talk about design with XD. We've talked about copywriting. Mm-hmm. It seems like you can do everything. Is that... Yeah. So I think there's a lot of talk about jack of all trades versus yep. specialization. And as we go into the part of that authenticity, trying to kind of tamp down the things that as you're trying to craft that who you are, tamping down the things that don't fit that image. But you seem to have taken the, no, I do everything. Like this is yeah. me, this is this jack of all trades. I'd love to mm-hmm. hear about that and do you find that good, bad, a superpower? Like, yeah. So I do find it a superpower. Uh, I I wish, <laughs> uh, weirdly, that I was just skilled, very skilled at one thing. Like, I wish I, I could play piano with my eyes closed and impress, you know, <laughs> thousands and thousands of people. I wish I could do that with guitar uh, or whatever. Like, pick one thing and go, like, wow, ten thousand hours, like virtuoso, mm-hmm. that. But I'm not that. I've never been that. Uh, I, I have. Uh, I lose patience quick on things, and some things I don't. Right, and I basically try new things all the time. And this is just in my in my personal life too. So, for example, um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I, I did. I was. I did art. I did drawing. I did karate. I did soccer. I did baseball. None of those really worked out. Mm. I did music. I played guitar. My dad's like, hey, why don't you try guitar? I was like, okay. I, I, I tried saxophone. That didn't work out for me, but I know how to play it. My, let's try guitar. Cool. All of a sudden, I'm like, hey, I like guitar. I feel cool. This is great. And I stuck with it. And you know, that eventually led to me being in a band. And um, I didn't know how to sing, so I tried to sing. And I was really bad at it, but I, I liked doing it. I liked being the center of attention, as you can tell, probably. <laughs> so like that just all kind of fit for me. And continue to do that to this day. Uh, and so I tried snowboarding. I still like that. Uh, I, one time, uh, I got really in, I mean, I guess what was it? 10 years ago, you know, I really like beer as a thing in my life. It's just kind of like, it's, I, I just, it's one of the reasons I moved out here to Colorado because of beer mm-hmm. and snowboarding. Um, not weed, although people think it's <laughs> weed and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I know I don't do it. So, uh, I mean, every once in a while, but <laughs> like, not not really my thing. So I I got into home brewing and 
that really was a weird, like, you know, there's a lot of things I'll get into and go like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I can be good at this and dangerous enough to get it done. Mm-hmm. That one, that is a weird thing I got into where I was like, I am, it's insatiable. I cannot get enough information. Like every magazine, every book that comes out, I will just sit there and read and brew and just drink. And yeah, I'm just, I, it's an un, I can't app, like wet my appetite on that enough. Right. Um, but like with, with doing graphic design, I, I sucked at it when I was a kid and then I got better at it and now I like it. And so, and I'm good enough to where like, yeah, could I, could I, am I a true designer? Like, am I ever, no, but I can design. I know how to use all the programs. Am I, a, am I that really, 90%? Yep. Am I a brilliant editor? No, but I do love editing videos and I do love, you know, that whole thing. I understand how exposure works in a camera. I, I, mm-hmm. I learn on demand and just enough to get the job done. And then because I have prior experience, like with broadcasting, I learned broadcasting in, in high school. I was on like the actual real radio for a while oh, wow. and not, not college radio. And so <laughs> I just got, yeah, I just obviously not college radio. And I got that. I got bit by that bug and I'm like, well, how do I, you know, I would make my own radio shows at home before podcasting was even mm-hmm. and learned, you know, my dad owned a recording studio growing up. So I learned all about recording and, en- and, and audio engineering. And that was sort of, you know, all of these things were just like, yeah, I could, I just, I can't be still. Right. Can't, it can't stay still. Everything interests me. I'll try it right now. I'm baking sourdough. I just got into that two weeks ago. I've, I've tried that. Never. Yeah. I haven't succeeded yet. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they, sometimes they don't work. Like uh, one of the things that didn't work out for me was coding. I, I, I like coding. I can code, meaning like in a programming language like PHP or Python or Ruby or something like that, uh, you know, to make software. I can do it, but man, it's not, it just doesn't jibe with me. I, I, I'm very proficient at HTML and CSS, but like JavaScript and any sort of like database, uh, it's, I can do it again, dangerous enough, but that's pulling teeth for me. And so that's a really rough, rough you, thing for me to do. Do you find, especially when working with other people on this kind of stuff, that you that that's more of a benefit or a detriment? Because I know on my side, there's there's two coins of it, right? So the mm-hmm. benefit is when you work with someone who is a coder, you're able to say you're knowledgeable enough to say, yeah, that looks right, or this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Oh, uh, right? Oh, I know what you mean. But with with anything, with the graphic design, with the editing and stuff like that, because you have a base knowledge yes. of it and you yes. can get it to that 70 or even 90% by yourself, then you know when someone's not up to the task. But at the uh-huh. other side, yeah, you then have like, well, I, if I do it myself, I can get it to that 90%. Mm-hmm. I know I shouldn't spend my time on this and should give it to someone else, but yeah. are they going to deliver? And that's so, kind of the balance. Yeah. Uh, I have a story about that. Uh, the reason I am dangerous enough with code <laughs> is for this exact reason. I was working at a company and I was a part owner of a software. So I was working at a regular company doing marketing. Mm-hmm. And in that company, it was a restoration company. And my boss had internal software that we were working on. 
And he wanted to sell that internal software externally to other companies like his. Mm -hmm. And so we, he wanted me to be the marketing guy and do design for the software and hire, and he wanted to hire a developer. And then he had another, two, another guy just kind of like, who was the knowledgeable person in project, it was project management software. So right. we had a knowledgeable person in project management and then he was the owner. And so we created a sub business and I had part ownership along with another developer and these two guys. So it was four of us in this company. And the company was called Simp, which I believe now is a <laughs> negative term. <laughs> a negative term. Yeah. So uh, super glad we didn't, that didn't take <laughs> off. But um, so what happened was I kept, so I was doing the front end design and I would do all the work like they would tell you to do in the Getting Started book, because um, that's mostly about SaaS, is I would do all the front end work and then the developer would hook it all up so it would work. Mm -hmm. And then we were con and we were constantly giving uh these demonstrations to my boss and the product kept failing and my boss kept going like why does this product keep failing and kind of yelling at me and i'm like you know what i'm not sure we'll go look into it kind of like being a you know um diplomat mm -hmm. and i would go back to my developer and say like hey this uh this thing is broke he's like well what did you change i was like well i didn't i mean i i didn't change anything you are the one that had the code right before we went live with it mm -hmm. he's like no you changed something and i'm like and all of a sudden, he, the developer started to turn on me, go to my boss, and try to force me out of the company by saying that I was the one who was causing all these problems with the software. And he ended up hiring another designer under my nose. Mm. And then that designer came in thinking I was the asshole and kind of treating me like shit. And I realized that I was getting, I was getting forced out by this guy. And I knew it wasn't my fault. So what I did was I started to learn code on my own time <laughs> because I wanted to be able to look at his code and, and say, oh, well, here's why. Here's why the issue. Yeah. yeah. So that's what happened. And uh, invention is the mother of necessity. Yeah. Or so necessity was, is the inventor, mother of invention. Yep. He was coding in procedural PHP, which, I mean, at the time there was uh, object-oriented. Yeah, that's what there was. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, even at this time there was object-oriented PHP. Oh, right. Yep. And... I was like, okay, well, he's doing it outdated. And then I found out he was on drugs. And then I found out he was you know, all this other, there's all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, designers started coming to me like, hey, man, this guy is like a, a fuck up. And, <laughs> and I go, okay, well, I've been kind of secretly learning code. So I know that, like, and so I basically ended up like learning how to code and starting to take on development work and doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up running the whole company because I ended up, my, he ended up getting fired because I, nothing that I did, I didn't like, you know, expose him or whatever. Right. I just knew. It just, it's it, a ticking time bomb. It's a ticking, yeah. You know, I knew, yeah. And so then it was like, oh, let's go find developers. And at that point, I knew how to, how to like I would send them code and go like, let me see what you can do. Mm -hmm. And then they would send it back. I go, cool, all right, you're good. And I got, got a team of three developers and I was the front end guy and that we ran the company for like a year until like I decided until I left uh, or I got laid off because the bigger company had struggles. So mm -hmm. the whole the whole project sort of tanked, but it but it's, you know, it's still up and running, I think. So, yeah, that was the reason for that. And again, it's not, you know, I was, and I was, you know, I would go home and code my own stuff because I would just, ha you know, that's how I learned. So I would, I, at the time I was coding a, uh, social network for dogs was my side project. It was called dog barks with a Z. It's a terrible name, but I was, that's how I was learning PHP 
awesome. I was, and I was doing object oriented PHP. I was buying books on it. I was just like kind of, you know, that was my homework. Mm-hmm. So it's just so that I knew I, cause I don't like being the dumbest person in the room. Yeah. And I felt that way at that company. And then I was like, no, I'm going to learn like SaaS marketing. I'm going to learn how to code. Like, I want to know every piece of this because I need to be the most valuable employee. Right. And so that's what happened. And now I know it. And yeah, it's, it's definitely been a help. And it's definitely like, I even, I work, we're, we're doing software now and I've done software projects with other people. Like I know when the code's bad mm-hmm. and I know the best and I, you know, but I know how things are done. I know what, you know, um, the, I know what an MVC is. I know how it all works. I, you know, there's actually stuff on money lab where you can, uh, I tried to build software in Ruby in 60 days and I drove myself insane. It's, it's, <laughs> I had to learn Git. I had to learn all this other right, stuff. Right. And, and it just it keeps just, getting more, the ecosystem just keeps getting more complicated. It does. And it, and at the time, like I had a I had a 60 day timeline to do this, to do this software project mm-hmm. with APIs. And it was just like, I am not, this is way out of my pay grade. I I I don't understand this. But again, got me to be a very like I can I can read it. I think I feel like Steve Jobs could do this, you know, because Steve Jobs wasn't a programmer, but right. I think he could appreciate. You know, if Wozniak was like, here's how I programmed it. It's like, okay, that makes, you know, it's like right. you kind of understand how programming works. And I think yeah. it's, it's been, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's good to have in every aspect. Uh, and that's the way I sort of process things out in my company too, where I will do it first, right? So mm. if we're going to do a Pinterest strategy or we're going to do a podcasting strategy or a video production strategy or a writing, whatever it is. I will do it soup to nuts. Right. And then I will write everything that I do down and I will find the bottlenecks and I'll, I'll know, like I kind of look at it from like a 10,000 foot view and say, well, Matt, you're the bottleneck in the writing process because you hate writing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, but, but this process or this part of the process, you know, somebody else could do that or, you know, here's a faster way to do it. And so I constantly look at the steps in every single process because I do it the whole thing all the way through sloppily terribly right and then go okay who could do this better and and where's the bottlenecks and how do we make this faster and like you know that's when you start looking for that's when you that's when software really comes into play when you have a process and you go will software make this yeah will this make it faster and better or will it just add another it's just another tool in the toolbox. And this is something I learned when I was working at the as a salaryman back in the day is mm-hmm. that that's the right way to do it, which is you create the process by doing it manually first. Yeah. If you create a process from the top down that has no input on the actual doing of it, you're mm-hmm. not going to create a good process. And what happened at that company was that we had someone who really liked making SOPs and really liked making yeah. rules. Right. For other people. Yeah. And so what happened was he would write out this SOP of how it should work. And it, did, it didn't work that way because that's right. not how you talk to people or that's not how the system works or like all this stuff. And so uh, for us at Segmetrics, we actually do all our processes manually first until mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we, we have this down or yeah, you we don't beat it up do so much that right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. then we, and then we can start automating it. Yep. Or yeah, and that's the thing. Like somebody needs to see it all the way through. I think soup to nuts because, and I love that phrase. That's a good phrase. But I I say it all the time. But it's it's 
and that's the thing. Like I just happen to do, be able to do all those things. I don't know if you, you know, I'm trying to think of a, of a thing that I don't, well, okay. I don't know how to do Facebook ads. Like I just, I just completely, I'm miffed by it. Uh, I'm, but if I sat down and did it, like I'm sure with enough education, like I'll figure it out. And mm-hmm. I, and I want to eventually create maybe a Facebook ads process. Well, okay. I, I know nothing, but I have friends who know some stuff and I know where to, you know, search and, and figure things out. And so I will just kind of plow my way through this process and break a bunch of stuff and ruin things and mess up and eventually find something that's kind of working, but then I'll just keep working at it to get better and better. And I do this with, uh, with homebrewing. I, Mm -hmm. a lot of homebrewers that I, I don't really know that many, to be honest with you, but a lot of the ones that I watch on YouTube or follow on, on blog posts and stuff, and just like know from the industry, they brew a bunch of different beers, you know, Mm -hmm. they just, you know, Hey, this week it's a brown ale. Next week it's an IPA, you know, following week it's a stout where the way that I homebrew is I do the same recipe every goddamn time because <laughs> my goal is to ju- is to make it it's like perfect. it's kind of yeah. yeah like refining and making it like that process perfect every I mean I have every step written down to the minute and, and, I, I, think- and I yeah I constantly look at that process and go like what if I moved you know the the grain from this side of the garage to the other side of the garage how many seconds does that shave off my entire day Right. No. And it's it's interesting because looking at the the home brewing, the sourdough, and even the SEO, yeah, these are all things that you A have a lot of time between the experiment and the result. Mm-hmm. And they also all rely on something that is not a hundred percent in your control. Right. And it's really interesting because those for me are the things that drive me nuts because they are the hardest to test. Like even for me, grilling a steak, I want to really do like 20 steaks and like figure out exactly how to do it. Even but there's that so many variables. So, there's so many variables. Every steak is different. The right. temperature of the day, the 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 heat of the grill, the how much exactly. propane, you know, it's exactly. every, yeah, it constantly it, changes. And target. especially when you're looking at what, three to six months mm-hmm. for all of those, for SEO, mm-hmm. for sourdough and for brewing. Yeah. There's a what did you do back then? And you have to be meticulous about your note keeping or your note taking and your data um, analysis at the end. And too, like there's, I mean, even with sourdough that I'm doing now, which has only been a couple of weeks, but I've done four loaves and each one came out completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them failed. They were all bread. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, okay, but I, then I'm sitting there going, you know, I look at it and go, I want this result. And so I will go and look up specifically what causes that result and then that will be the variable i text ne- test next time knowing that all the variables may change and the temperature may change in the day and like there's other variables that are out of my control mm-hmm. but i can control that one and test that one and see if that works but i'm not again like even with money lab none of my experiments or challenges are scientific or are, are rooted in the scientific method i don't I, it's a kind of an art form in a way. It's right. You know what I mean? And and that's, I think the benefit of it. And that's the yeah. benefit of money lab, which is that as you go through the process, you're not saying this works, do this. You're saying these were the conditions yes. at which I tried this. And this was the result. Right. Yes, exactly. In that, in that moment in time. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and to speak about SEO specifically, because there is a philosophy that is different than a process, Right. And that I do hold. I held philosophies about 
homebrewing as well. And I, and I stick within my own philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I, that philosophy is kind of like stretchy and it can move and it can, and it can break. And I kind of operate in that little bubble, right? But it's not a process, right? You know, and I do the same thing with, you know, I think like a part of my SEO philosophy is that page speed is important, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a thing. I believe it's important to have your sites load incredibly fast. And here's all the reasons why I think that because I have all this research, but that's just my philosophy. Right. I don't believe, you know, that's, and that's a tactic that I'm going to employ. I believe that you should go big or go home. I think you should, I think what I do at Money Lab or what I do at all my sites is I don't go for long tail keywords. I go for the keyword, the big mm-hmm. one. It's, I call it, I'm, I'm like workshopping an idea of, to call it. I'm calling it the moonshot technique, mm-hmm. which is like shoot for the moon and land in the stars. The idea of like, you go and you write and you create for the big keyword knowing it's kind of impossible. Mm-hmm. But in that effort, you will, have, you will have hit all of these smaller keywords that you would have never have researched and picked. Right. It's, a, it's a discovery thing. Right? Yeah. 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 It's like, and it's like you could call it go big or go home or whatever. That's a philosophy that I employ myself. And whenever I do an SEO experiment, that's what I'm, that's what I'm using. I'm, I operate within that philosophy, but then the process is the more like, oh, okay, go to Ahrefs, search for X, mm-hmm. you know, then go into WordPress, make sure the, the light's green and Yoast or whatever. Those are the individual pieces of it, the technical side of it. But then there's like an overarching philosophy of the whole thing. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for uh, spending the time with us and yeah. for giving us this expertise. And honestly, looking at this authenticity, I think it's so important as we kind of move into this next stage of marketing, which I think mm. we're getting into a new generation of marketers um and a new style of marketing so so happy to have you on this uh people can check you out at money lab and yep. where else can people find you on on the internet honestly just go to moneylab.co all that's right where the synergy is i can't Sounds believe good. i just used that word <laughs> synergy for the win yes <laughs> all right matt thank you so much and uh stay healthy stay safe yeah appreciate it thanks you too. cheers 